We sit as we listen to our readings from Holy Scripture. The first reading is a reading from the second book of Kings. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as, your, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them. As they were both standing by the Jordan, then Elijah took up his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to, to one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended into a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 50. The response is, our God will come and will not keep silence. The Lord, the God of gods, has spoken. He has called the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, perfect in its beauty, God reveals himself in glory. Our God will come and will not keep silence. Our God will come and will not keep silence. Before him there is a consuming flame, and round about him in a raging storm. He calls above the heavens and the earth from above to witness the judgment of his people. Our God will come and will not keep silence. Gather before me, my loyal followers, those who have made a covenant with me and sealed it with sacrifice. Let the heavens declare the rightness of his cause, for God himself is judge. Our God will not come and will not keep silence. A reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel 
of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand as you're able to receive the gospel. The Lord be in your lips and in your heart as you proclaim the gospel in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia, alleluia. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory, Glory to you, o Lord. o Lord. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to him Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen, until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May I speak in the name of the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please do be seated. Well, I hope you've got your eggs and your lemons ready for Shrove Tuesday and are, more importantly, are gearing up to give up chocolate or whatever you are planning to do or sign up for a course for Lent. But let's hold off for a couple of days and linger on this last stop before Lent begins this week, this Ash Wednesday Today in our Gospel, we hear the story of the Transfiguration. In itself, it's hard to describe, but we might understand it as Jesus' true nature, all his divinity, his godliness, momentarily being seen while he still walked on earth with us, revealed to Peter, James and John. For a brief moment, Jesus is transfigured or transformed. His holiness is unveiled. And three of his closest disciples witness it. We don't know what Peter, James and John actually saw and felt. But we can study this passage and get a better sense of things and learn to relate to their experience. And I think that's what's key for us. Just before our reading today, in Mark's eighth chapter, Peter made an important declaration. Jesus asked who people were saying that he was, Jesus was. And the disciples told him, a prophet, John the Baptist, resurrected, 
Elijah, come again. But then Jesus asked who Peter said Jesus was. Who do we say Jesus is? That is always an important question for us in the season of Lent. Who do we say Jesus is? Who is Jesus for us? And Peter answers that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. And it's the first time that he makes that claim. But then Jesus goes on to talk about the suffering and death that he must undergo and challenges the disciples that to truly be disciples, we and they, of course, have to take up the cross, a cross, and follow the same path. It's no doubt a tense conversation. Jesus is laying it on the line and letting the disciples know exactly what is required to follow him, which is simply everything. And so our gospel reading opens today, not quite a week after he said these things. And apparently, none of the disciples have decided to to leave him or desert him. Jesus takes three who have been so close to him and goes up a mountain with them and is transfigured, changed, unveiled before them. Elijah and Moses appear and speak with Jesus. They represent the prophets and the law. And Jesus represents the fulfillment of all things. Peter, for some reason, offers to build three dwellings for Jesus, Elijah and Moses. He says it's good for them to be there. Peter's ready to make it possible to stay, just remain there on the mountaintop, settle in, and stay in this very holy place. But then a cloud overshadows them, and they hear God's voice, as was heard at Jesus' baptism, saying, This is my son, the beloved, listen to him. And then the moment is over, and they are alone with Jesus again, and he orders them, as they come down the mountain, not to tell what they experienced until after the resurrection. To me, a few things here are important for us to take away. First, the disciples experienced this as an extremely holy moment, where they felt they were closer to God and seeing more of God in Jesus than perhaps they ever had before. Mountaintops in the scriptures are often places where people meet God. And it's from these encounters that we develop the phrase mountaintop experiences when we're trying to describe something overwhelmingly awesome. And this, even if we don't understand it, is what the disciples have had at the Transfiguration. And second, they want to try to stay there, remain there in that moment, prolong that time on the mountain, rather than returning to life on the ground. We can probably relate to both of those pieces of the transfiguration. We've probably had mountaintop experiences in our own lives, spiritual peaks or highs, where things seem to fall into place, and we understand or experience God in a way that we normally don't. Times where everything seems to be good and right and meaningful. 
They are the times that we can hold on to when our faith is rocky and our path uncertain. And we've also experienced, I'm sure, wanting to stay in that place, stay on the mountaintop, prolong an experience where we knew the time was limited, where we knew we simply could not stay forever. When we think about the transfiguration, we can see that Peter's immediate impulse was to create a bubble, a very familiar and perhaps overused word these days, to take this extremely holy experience and to trap it, keep it, stay there and dwell in it. And we can hardly blame him. Why would he want it to end? even if he couldn't understand it. But at the same time, we have to wonder, what if Jesus had stayed up on the mountain with the disciples? What if Moses couldn't stop basking in the wonder of the burning bush? What if Mary Magdalene stayed at the tomb with Jesus and never went out to share the news? What if the shepherds and the magi couldn't tear themselves away from the Christ child? The holy places in our lives are so precious, but we're not called to bottle them up or put ourselves in a bubble with them. We're called to take the holy with us as we go. And that's why we talk about our faith lives. We usually talk not about a static place, but about faith as a journey. Faith doesn't stand still but moves and grows, or our faith is dead. And we worship a God who is named I Am, a living God, an active God, a God always doing a new thing. And that's why when Jesus calls us to a path of discipleship, he calls us using a word of movement. We are to take up a cross and follow Being a disciple is an active job that never leaves us where we are. And perhaps in the midst of this time of transition for us, we can particularly relate to this text. It's so much easier sometimes to stay in the same place than it is to move on. But we will be moving on. Very soon, sometimes this year, our lives will move on. They may be different, but we will have to move on. And what we do know is this. God isn't leaving us where we are. The question we have to answer is what we will do about it and where we will go and whether or not we will follow. Will our attitudes change? Will we be different people? Will we relate to others differently? And on this Racial Justice Sunday, We know that we are called to do something, to tackle discrimination across our world. And wherever there is inequality, whether it is race, gender, disability, things must change. They must not stay as they are. Our God is of the mountains and the valleys and all the places in between. And Jesus is setting his face to Jerusalem to pour his life out for others. 
And if he is God's beloved, and we are God's beloved, we are called to do the same. Trusting that, we set our face and our journey down the mountain into the valleys following Jesus. The glory of our walk with Jesus is that we are transformed. We become beings of light, as Paul describes it. God shines his light into our hearts to bring us the knowledge of God's glory shining in the face of Christ. So let us use this coming season of Lent wisely as a time of spiritual renewal and transformation in our lives. Begin by being present, even though virtually, at our service, our Mass, on Wednesday. Let the symbolic ashes remind you of your need to allow God's grace to transform your life, perhaps the lives of everyone in the world. And then, each day in Lent, let yourself pause a while Take a little time for yourself outside of what you're normally doing and let yourself remember and ponder those times when you have been most aware of God's grace, of God's presence. Perhaps it is appropriate on this Valentine's Day to remember that we are all God's beloved as we take up a cross and follow In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.